In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Are you a parent who desires to bring out the leader in your child? We are talking with leadership guru, Dr. Alan Nelson, who is a fabulous friend of ours. And we're also going to be talking with author Wendy Ford, whose life was majorly interrupted with a devastating and debilitating illness. That was hard to say. (laughs) We're also discussing some monkey business with author Patrick Mark. So welcome to Girlfriend It, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty. Okay, Patty, speaking of monkey business, I discovered you have a fondness for monkeys on a trip to the Amazon a couple years ago when we went to a, a zoo there in Peru and um, you, I, I couldn't get you away from the monkey cage, and I didn't realize. You that, always make me nervous when you when you start out a story that should, way. And I should because you were. It was, it was one of those things. These, these cages are just filthy, and somebody said, "Make sure people don't touch the cages, whatever." And so I'm a little ways away from you, and and I said, "I need to go back and tell Patty." And somebody said, "Oh, she will figure that out. No one's going to touch the cages." I go, "Well, just in case, let me go back." Sure enough, as I go back to where you were, <laughs> you were literally hanging on the monkey cage, enthralled with the monkeys, and I all I could do is laugh. I mean, I couldn't say anything. It was too late, and you did exactly what. They said not to do, and you were in your own little world with the monkeys. Well, it, you have to admit, those monkeys were pretty funny in there. Well, what, what made that so crazy is that I looked down, and as many monkeys that were inside the cage, there was a little wild monkey on the outside. Yes, and you don't see that every day. And so we thought, oh, my gosh, the monkey got loose. And so we thought it was our responsibility to go take the, tell the caretaker that he has a monkey on the loose, and... He, he was really okay with that because that monkey runs wild. He's trying to get inside the cage because there was more food there. Yeah, there's better food, he said, that they give him inside the cage than what's outside the cage. So you were like in monkey heaven because you had monkeys all around you of various shapes and sizes. And, um, and then as I'm mocking you, a monkey goes by the cage and splashes this huge thing of water in my face, which <laughs> totally grossed me out. It, it did make for a good story because you're over here telling me, get your hands off of that. You need to go like get the antibacteria soap now and right about that time here comes monkey number one with the big slap into the water and it splashes right on your face I mean you just stood there with it literally dripping all down on your shirt I didn't want to open my mouth because it was all over it was disgusting okay but I enough of that monkey business well I have to tell you you can only be young once but you can always be immature and that's what I like about us (laughs) Always immature, and we're really um, we're we're okay with that. 
<laughs> so, okay, monkeys. We, I learned a lot about you on that trip and, and your fondness for monkeys. And then whenever you just, you light up over monkeys. And so I don't know if I could, I would get you a monkey. But <laughs> Well, on a serious note, though, we do have Patrick Marks that will tell us what we can learn from monkeys. Well, and you know what's really interesting, because he's going to be talking about um, kind of the creation versus evolution a little bit. And just this week, I, I was with a friend and she goes, I need to ask you a question. And she has a junior high daughter that's in the public schools, and they are in that uh, section in their science about evolution and creation. And I just remember even a few years ago, evolution was taught as a theory, and now it's, um, it's really presented as a fact. And so in this class, it's being presented as a fact. And so her daughter, and there's another boy that's a believer, and they're just going, but it, we don't believe that. And so to get, they're in this dilemma because to, to get a good grade, they have to answer it like it is a fact. And so the teacher, even um, the, 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 other, the other boy, just raised his hand and just said, okay, how come this is just being presented as a, as a fact and rather as, another, as an option or as another theory? And I guess the teacher just lambasted him in class and humiliated him. And so you're just looking at this going, wow, this is really, even when my kids were in junior high, you know, eight, ten years ago, it's being presented even different right now. Yeah, so I didn't know that. Topic. I didn't know topic. that it has to be presented as a fact. But it's not a fact. No. They, they don't have the science to prove that. So I don't understand where that happened. Yes. I wonder if it's just that teacher. Well, that's what I, that's what I suggest. I said, you know, you might want to find out if it's, it's your teacher and really what, because I haven't really heard that they have to present it that way. So it is interesting. It is a hot topic. Yeah. And, um, and so the monkey thing really, you know, comes into play. But speaking of hot topics, this has been an incredible week for us with what's going on in Arizona. And hopefully it won't just stop in Arizona. It will hit throughout all the United States. And what are you talking about? I am talking about a city fest in Arizona with Louise Palau coming in and literally tearing up Arizona with um, having service projects and really getting people, the leaders in the community, to step up and serve the community. Well, I know just on Tuesday of this week, we were invited to the official launching of it because it's going to be held in March of 2011, and it really is exciting because it's bringing our community together, community leaders that had, the mayors were there, the governor gave a talk via satellite because um, she was out of town, and, and the, uh, the church leaders were all gathered together, and there's, already there's over 400 churches that have said we're in, so it's really bringing unity in our community, mm-hmm. and really it's about blitzing our community for Jesus, and so... Um, what's kind of exciting on our part, we're, we're learning about it, and our church is very engaged with it, but we've been asked to coordinate uh, the luncheon for women uh, the week prior to this event, and that is really exciting for us because we're getting to meet some incredible women that, that we all have a heart for our city and for our state. Really, mm-hmm. it's more about the state of Arizona and bringing women together. What could that look like? And so we're just, in fact, when we get done, we're going to be going to another meeting, and it's just, it's just fun to see what God does and how he's working, especially among women, too. Absolutely, and that is so our passion, because it's rallying others to do the remarkable, and in doing that, to bring women leaders together to go, okay, what can we do here to truly have an impact, um, not only just in our homes, but in our communities and beyond that. So to be able to 
come together and go, okay, you take this section, we'll take this section, you know, because so many times we have a tendency to, we meet with a lot of women and they are always sharing a need and it, it breaks us. Each need, we want to jump in there and see how we can help out and how we can rally women to help with this particular cause. And this is an awesome way to do that because it really does take an army and now we're having that opportunity to gather the army. Absolutely. And, um, it is exciting when you, when you see that there's a plan in place and that people are coming together and putting aside their differences. And it was interesting because we were sitting there, we were listening to Dr. Palau, Luis Palau speak, and he was a hoot, we yeah. have to say. He, he I mean, he, they said that he has literally spoken to a billion people worldwide. He's from Argentina originally, lives billion in Portland. A billion with a B. That's insane. So this guy is like, he's like the Billy Graham. He's mm-hmm. like the worldwide, you know, the world evangelist, like a Billy Graham. And we were sitting there, and um, he was. It was interesting because you had every denomination sitting there. Yeah. The, the Presbyterians, the Baptists. You were sitting next to two nuns, and they were just so delightful. Their little faces. We would just love being with them because they were just glowing. They were laughing the entire. They were time. laughing the entire yeah. time, and um, and he was just talking about. He was mocking all the different religions because we all have these. Everybody, well, it's this way, it's this way. And he's like, okay, it doesn't matter. We're yeah. here because of Jesus. Let's start on a clean slate here. Yes. Even, yes. Though, even though the sister next to me didn't want me to borrow her little hat. Her oh, hat. <laughs> you were always inappropriate. Can I just tell you that? I just, I pretend sometimes that I don't know you, and it's safer that way. I wonder if they're not allowed to take it off. Like well, not in time. public, sitting in church. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made, made for a great picture opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we just got a kick out of watching them smile, and we got invited to their, to their place. I don't know. It's like a prayer garden. It is their, a prayer garden. At their church. Yeah, I know. Well, it's just speaking about that, it was just interesting because we were just sitting there, and, and he was talking about, he, he used a couple of scriptures, and he was just talking about, like, Peter being called, and, and it was interesting just, how people are called to Jesus, and, and it's like we see so many women, like you were saying, that I, I feel like I want to do something, and I want to make a difference, and I want to matter, and I want to have a purpose, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what my first steps. so so many times they don't do anything. Yeah. And it's just cool to see that um, now we're providing a platform. We can tell women, okay, come join us in this, because we're doing a bunch of service projects in our community, but also it's just encouraging, because I think as people, and especially as women, we need somebody to put something in front of us to go, here's what it looks like. Absolutely, and it's really cool because yesterday we heard an illustration as we met with some of our girlfriends talking about the automatic doors, and she just the, the allegory of how when you have, to, um, you have to actually step in a certain place for those doors to open up for you. And so many times, like you said, um, women are just paralyzed. They see there's so much need and there's so many causes there's so many times it's just taking that first step and getting closer to whatever that cause is, and then those doors will, will open. And we think, oh, you know, I'm, I've been praying about it and praying about it and praying about it, and I just, God's not giving me clarity. He's not putting the handwriting on the wall. And prayer is awesome, and we need to pray about everything, you know, pray without ceasing, but you also have to take those first steps. Exactly. So when someone puts a framework together to say, okay, take a step in this direction or take a step in that direction, that's when... I believe that God just starts working through in so many areas because we're all taking those steps and right. praying. Exactly. And so many times we, as women, are in that paralyzed, paralyzed state 
because we've been wounded and we've been broken and somehow. So we just need encouragement to go, okay, you still have something to give, even in your state of woundedness and brokenness. And that's what we're all about, is just giving women an opportunity to, to engage and to do something, no matter how insignificant it might seem and no matter what season of life, no more excuses. Just join us in doing something and getting together. Absolutely. No excuses. And that's why I love our next guest. Um, we have Dr. Alan Nelson because he's starting, you know, we, we kind of catch them when they're like, quote, unquote, a woman, which we, I don't really know at what point because I wouldn't see you as a woman Where are you at going all. with this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see that in you. But um, he, catches them, he catches them as kids. And do you think that um, that the kids are our future leaders or are they the leaders today? So in other words... Are like you, right now, can kids lead? Yeah. Do we, you know, so many times we see them and, and you hear that all the time. This is our next president or this is, you know, the guy a who's future gonna, generation. But it's like really they can make an impact right, right now, now. And they need to be learning the tools right now and not wait till they're an adult. Yes. And I see that in my own kids that you really do need to start them right now. Take Dr. Alan Nelson. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Togginet. Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. People think I've made it. I'm popular. I seem happy all the time. I have great clothes and I'm involved in everything. But I have questions, doubts, and fears, just like every other teenager. That's why I'm glad for Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell, Thursday nights at 10, 9 Central on toginet.com. The choices we have to make that can alter the course of our lives. Life is too much pressure if we try to go it alone. I tune into Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell every week to get reminded that I'm not alone. Nicole O'Dell is an expert on what happens in the lives of teenagers. Join her as she deals with topics like peer pressure, purity, drugs, alcohol, and many other things that might come up along the way. She writes books and speaks to people all over the place, but she says her favorite moments are when she can pull up a chair and chat with teens about what's important to us. For more information on Nicole and her books, go to NicoleO'Dell.com. Then join us for Teen Talk Radio with Nicole O'Dell. Thursday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Teen Talk Radio, where it's all about choices. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. 
a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. Today, our first guest is Dr. Alan Nelson, president and co-founder and world changer with his wife, Nancy, of KidLead, and a leadership development specialist. He is an author, speaker, a serial entrepreneur, leadership guru, and he's a fabulous friend of ours. Welcome, Alan. Hi, Alan. How you doing? We're doing great. Hey, it's so good to hear your voice. Thank you. This is fun to be with you. Of course it is. <laughs> and, to, and to think I knew you when you were just simply really cool people. <laughs> That's why we like you, pay you the big bucks, right? <laughs> and we someone are so... What's that? More compliments? I was just saying, some, someone said admiration is a feeling you feel when you meet someone who's like you. <laughs> That's so true. I love that. Well, we are so excited to talk with you um, today, and this we want to just jump right in there. And what at one point, Alan, you had shared, I feel like I need to say Dr. Alan with all of your stars by your yeah, name. Yeah, would you? Would you please? Or your, your highest <laughs> majesty or whatever. <laughs> so, Dr. Alan, please tell us a little bit about what got you involved. And you do a pheno- you're doing phenomenal things in this world, and starting with, the kids, which well, is... the whole leadership thing, which is such a critical issue, and so many times people wait and think we learn that as adults, but you really are going, no, it starts as kids, and you put together some fabulous resources and tools, so share some of that with us. Yeah, how did your passion for leadership development evolve? Well, and that's a really good question, because it, for me, it is about leadership development, because I've got, I've got three kids, I love our kids, I love kids, but I'm not like a not like a children's pastor or, you know, a third-grade teacher. I, I love leadership development, so that's what my doctor Stan written some books on it. And because of those books, I had the opportunity to travel around, teach at conferences, seminaries, grad schools. But, you know, something happens. Someday you ladies will hit midlife. And, and for, okay. Me, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for me, at midlife, I said, I want to do this full-time. But I don't know if I want to work with adults because they just don't change much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so th- five years ago, we started prototyping. The, the, it's, we discovered it is literally the world's first executive caliber leadership training curriculum and program, but it's for 10 to 13-year-olds, really 10, 10 and up, so 10 to 18. But our, our primary focus is 10 to 13 because here's what we learned. We learned, first of all, that we can estimate a child's leadership aptitude. So we have uh, at the kidlead.com website a very free and simple but effective uh, online assessment that an adult takes on a child. You can measure a child's aptitude, and that's merely the ability to learn how to lead. Mm-hmm. And if a child has high leadership aptitude, like you ladies did probably when you were kids, that by the age of 10, a child is cognitively developed enough to learn very sophisticated social skills required for leading, like problem-solving with a group of people, conflict resolution, vision casting. And after a couple of years, I have heard these kids say things that I've never heard 40, 45-year-olds say. So I ah. said, okay, we're on to something. Mm-hmm. So two years ago, I pulled the, the plug, as you know, on my paycheck and benefits. We started a nonprofit, and we certify trainers around 
uh, literally around the world now, to use our curriculum in schools, churches, um, private schools. So we're pretty jazzed about it. And I honestly think, as I heard you say at the break, I, I really believe that uh, it's not just giving them a 10- to 20-year head start, which it is, but but it's helping them learn how to lead now. Because these, these preteens can do some astounding things. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They really want to. Uh, my daughter last night was, she's involved in um, a ministry on Wednesday nights, and she comes home so ready to go out there and start doing something rather than just uh-huh. sitting there listening about it. And right. she's at that point, and she's 14, where it's like, Mom, I want to go. She's continuously right. to go with Lisa and I, and they want to learn that way and start serving and not just Sitting there, and I think sometimes you know the church we we have a tendency to always have this framework that mm-hmm. they need to come and you know read scripture or do a study together, and they mm-hmm. are ready to go. Well, here's the interesting thing because as you look at history and you look at most cultures today outside of Western society, the transition to adulthood is between the ages of twelve and fourteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when the Aboriginal walkabout is the bar mitzvah. Catechism. So historically, adolescence has, is a relatively new thing, and and we've created adolescence because we wanted to uh, train our kids better. We wanted to prepare them uh, for the future better. But what we've done is we've held them back in many ways. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no reason why a 12, 13, 14 year old could not do some amazing things because historically and in the um, other cultures they are adults by 14. I mean, yeah. they're, they're having their own family, they're employed. So and yet we're done, telling them what TV show to watch. We're still, you know, we're not even letting them make the most simplistic adult decisions. Right, right. Don't on the Internet over here and don't watch this television show, and yet right. in other cultures they're over here starting a family. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we pretty much relegated their lives to entertainment, to recreation, and to academics, mm-hmm. but we don't give them real-world experience. And, and in the case of leadership, that's why we see these kids who we know they're wired to lead, to influence. Sometimes it's bad. <laughs> you know, they get sent to the principal's office. I can imagine Patty going down to the principal's office. Hey, uh, hey, hey. I, I, she got a couple of swats in her day. I've heard those stories. So yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, these, Back these when it was legal. <laughs> and I know that doesn't surprise you, Alan, to hear that. <laughs> These kids, these kids can, can do great things now. So we, we just really need to see them differently and train them, and that's what we've seen. They just they rise to the occasion. Well, and I love that you're, you're really dealing with the kids because, like you said, they are moldable. Or some, so many times adults we, do, um, we don't want to change, and we see such a crisis in leadership among adults, and we right. really do need to be pouring into those younger ones to start molding them so they – that just becomes second nature. This is what you do. Because we find with adults, they don't know how to deal with crisis. They don't know how to deal with conflict. And, right. um, and so these tools are so helpful. I know your site is just so full of great information um, on so many different levels. And it's, it's not just relegated for kids. It's great stuff for adults, too. And you have just, it, some of it's just so simple, but adults don't get that. Yeah, and, you know, if you are a parent raising a child who is a leader and you're not a strong leader, I think a lot of times you think, oh, my goodness, I've got this this problem child. 
And really, uh, what the uh, there's a there's a book and there's some articles on the website. But really, what we train to do for uh, we train teachers and parents to do is to know how to identify and then to develop these young leaders. Which, like you said, it can it can be really problematic. And we really want to give them a, a launch, a head start, instead of waiting until they're 25, 30, 35, and then begin their formal leadership training. You know, Alan, we hear from, like, women and stuff, I am not a leader, and that term leader and leadership really is intimidating, especially to women. So we, you know, we use our own <laughs> unique terminology, and we say, okay, be a facilitator, and you're, yeah. re- you're leading, but you're, it's a different word. Um, yeah. do you, and so people do think, a lot of people don't see themselves as the leader. How do you address that? Is everybody a leader? Is there leadership qualities in everybody? That is such a beautiful question. <laughs> Constantly asked that. Well, here's the deal. What we focus on is we focus on the kids who have higher leadership aptitude. So we're talking about 10 to 20% of any given social group. It'll skew higher or lower depending on the demographics. But we, we categorize leadership in three ways. There's three categories. One is personal leadership. So that's responsibility, assertiveness, self-esteem, faith. Those are things that we want people to have no matter where they are in life. We don't use that as our term for leadership. A second category is managerial. That's where you can kind of facilitate a small group. Maybe you're a family leader, a father, mother. So you, you can learn these things. But, but there's a third category called organizational leader, and that's the person who has the ability to work with a larger group of people, to cast vision, to, to get them to work together and accomplish what they could not as individuals. So we're looking for those kids who have organizational leadership capacity. So if you say everyone can be a leader, I'd say, yeah, everyone can be a personal leader. Many people can be managerial leaders, but probably only a small percent can be organizational leaders. But you see, that's perfectly fine because we only need a few to get everyone to work together. Mm-hmm. If everyone tries to be a leader, it is chaotic. And if no one's a leader, it is chaotic. So we really just need a few to get the many to work together. And that is such a great point, and that's a great way to simplify it and to clarify it because um, people don't even see themselves as a personal leader in their home. Right. And so right. that, that's a great way to say that. And, and speaking of that, we only have two minutes before we go into a commercial break. But um, I know at one point, Alan, we have all sat around and we shared how you got to this point. And we just love a story. So um, I would Tell love- your life story in a minute and a half right now. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, I would love for you just to share exactly. I mean, you were a pastor um, here in Arizona, and you were a phenomenal pastor. And what takes place when you, you really decide, okay, I have a passion, you know, over and beyond my leadership here at the church. Um, so I would love to just address that and just how your parents saw you in, um, in leading. So we have one minute right now just to talk about one tip for helping your kids um, to discover that leadership quality. And then when we come back, I would love to, for you to share your story. Well, here's the one tip. I, I think... Uh, if you want to get a sense of, am I trying, am I raising a leader? Do I have a leader in my house that that I have this, you know, sense that they're kind of pushing back on stuff and they strong will, they have a lot of opinions. If you go to kidlead.com in the upper right hand corner, it says free assessment, and that is again what a parent or an adult would take on a child. If you push the parent button, you'll actually get automated response, 
and a key to understand those questions and what they mean. And, and I think that's probably, as far as a tool, uh, because it's free, it, it is one of those very quick, easy-to-use opportunities for you to understand how your child may be wired, and then it will help you know how to parent them better. And that is a great tip and a great first step. So stay with us as we continue talking with Dr. Alan Nelson. This is Girlfriend it on Toginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what The Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all all issues from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairyTaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are having a fantastic time talking with Dr. Alan Nelson, president and founder of Kid Lead, which prepares leaders to be more effective and ethical than their predecessors by getting them um, while they're still moldable and while they're still young. And um, Dr. Alan, I had asked you a question leading into the commercial about what what happened in your life that made you so passionate about getting these kids when they're moldable? Well, if you go way back, on, on a personal note, um, I grew up in rural Iowa, and I'm an only child. And in our family, there was only room for one leader, and it was our dad, my dad. 
so uh, school was my place to demonstrate my leadership. And at recess, kids would come up and say, hey, Alan, what are we going to play for recess? And I'd pick and... You know, and, and usually it was a good thing. Occasionally I got fees in conduct, probably a lot like Patty, but that didn't go over, <laughs> that didn't go over well in, in our, you know, highly religious, religious house. Yeah. But I, I think as I look back, I think if there was someone like me in my life early on who would have identified my leadership potential and developed it, by midlife I felt like I hadn't really become the leader I thought all mm-hmm. along I should have been. I, I wasn't living up to my potential. And, and so in that midlife transition, I said, okay, if I'm going to help leaders next half, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where a friend of mine, George Barna, he said, have you ever thought of focusing on, on kids? And I really hadn't because, you know, you, you don't think of kids in leadership. But that really planted the seed and got me thinking about that. So... For, for me, it, it is a second half. I think it is my big calling in life, not only to help the church identify and develop leaders, but, but society in large to identify and develop leaders. And, and I think in the context of, of you ladies, why this is so important is because, again, in our culture, the people who are in charge of, of raising, nurturing kids uh, between the ages of 10 and 13 are primarily moms, women. So two-thirds to three-quarters of all of our certified trainers are women. So I think when you look at it that way, really what we're trying to do is, is to raise young leaders, but uh, down the road we'll have women who are primarily the influencers of these young leaders. And I, I honestly think it will create better leaders because I think women are more social. I think they have better relational skills, and I think they will bring to the marketplace, to the church, to a lot of places where women have not been allowed to influence, I think they'll bring a wonderful presence mm-hmm. that in the past we've overlooked. Well, and you said something um, at one point, I don't know, a year or two years ago, that we spend so much time and money putting our kids into, you know, sports and the different clubs that are available. Right. And, you know, I know you, you write a check for $400 to put your kid in the, just the football uh, team uh, well, at don't school. You think it's like, yeah. With the Joneses, because it's like that. There's kind of some pressure to do that. Yeah, you just that's what you do to get them involved yeah. in school. You put them in a sport, or you know, right. I don't know. My kids, I wish they were in music, but I'm sure it's just as expensive when you're paying for the instruments and all of that. But you were saying, what if we invested in their leadership and and right. really, like you said, when they're multiple, be able to pour into them. So by the time they do graduate from high school or perhaps college. They know a little bit about who they are and their leadership skills. And that, that really resonated with me that even in, with my own kids to see where their leadership qualities are. Yeah, I mean, for example, let, you know, sports. But here's one example. 4% of kids who play high school basketball will play college. 1% of them will play for Division One, and 1% of them will get a scholarship. Only 1% of those people will play in the NBA. Mm. And yet... How much money and time do we invest in things that, honestly, they will never use past eighth grade and probably, certainly, not past 12? Mm-hmm. That's but a if, good we, point. Yeah. if we can identify those kids with the attitude to lead, and, and that's why this program is so cool because it's, it's not a high-end dollar thing that you have to send your kid to D.C. to listen to a few politicians, and it's not bringing in this personality to speak to us. It's where they learn hands-on leadership mm-hmm. in their own backyard with their peers, and then it allows them to 
take it to the home, take it to the church, take it to the community, and use those skills wherever they are. So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. Okay, I want to just side note here because we've known you for several years and just have followed you, and it's it's like you've been such an integral part of our journey, and we just always, you know, you, we have, we smile when we think of you, but we know that you made a tough decision, like you said, five years ago. You, you, you changed course, so to speak, gave up the paycheck, left that to go pursue a passion, just kind of a calling. You feel like, I have not lived to my potential. That is really hard to do. I mean, there, very few people... I think would have the the courage and the passion and whatever determination. She's saying insanity, actually. <laughs> but you know what? We're right there with you because we would do the same thing, and we have done the same thing, and so we get yeah. that. But when you do make that decision and you you feel called and you're excited about going and you can see the vision, you can see all that, you you realize that life interrupts that because you will have so many people beat you up, criticize you, you will have setbacks, you will have all these doubts. And, okay, so how do you lead through that and navigate your way through that to keep going? Wow, that's a great question. I, I think part of it is just how you're wired. But for me, I, I think it's also that fear. I think that fear of looking back at your life and, you know, like the movie The Bucket List. What a great movie. Mm-hmm. And, and and this was on my bucket list that, that I at, at age 48 I said, okay, I could stay in this organization I'm at for another 10 years and travel around the country and run a pastor's magazine and do some cool stuff, all based on the 20 years of being a pastor. Or um, I could do what I think God's really wired me to do all along, which 10 years before I had no idea. I would have scoffed and laughed that I would be doing this. But <laughs> now I think, oh, my goodness, I'm wired to do this. And, and I think that, for me, is God's fingerprint in my life. It really helps me see this is what, why I'm here on earth. And it's not that I've wasted the first 20. It's that the first 20 laid the foundation for me to doing what I'm doing now. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where you come to a point, it's that tipping point at midlife, and you say, what am I going to do next? And And you don't look at what you've lost, but you say, what could I lose if I didn't do this? So... Yeah, it's certainly not an economic thing, and it's certainly not an ego thing, but it, it's one of those things where you just say, do or die, I have to do it. Well, and I and we love that because we're so with you in that, because when you're just feeling like, okay, I, I, I will regret if I don't do that. That's how we look at it, going, okay, if we don't do this, will we look back and go, okay, huge missed opportunity, we'll regret that. And so that's... Yeah us forward a lot of times, but, you know, we both have that, all of us have that entrepreneurial spirit inside of us where you just, you want to go for that, and I think so many people, they have that desire like you did, and and yet they will just keep putting it off and make excuses because it doesn't make sense, and it's going to require sacrifice, and I think leadership a lot of time is, um, as we all know, it, you, you're not, it's, it's not a, a popularity contest. You, you don't you don't get a lot of applause when you're leading because you do have to make tough decisions and tough calls, whether it's in your own life or in the organization you're with. And how do you – what would you tell leaders just like when they get in kind of that beat-up stage and they realize, okay, I've got to do this because it's the right thing, not because it's the popular thing? How do you, like, help kids and, and even adults with that? You know, I think it comes down to that inner calling. What What, what has God called you to do? And how, how am I going to be obedient to that call? Because, you know, certainly we hear the accolades and the good things. We see the, you know, the person in, you know, on the stage of the megachurch when the building's built and, 
and you sort of, but you don't see the process. You see them on the cover of Time Magazine, but you don't see the process of mm-hmm. how they got there. So I think that's the downside in our society is we tend to hype up the finished product, and, and we don't sell the process. You know, it's just like, like an Exodus 18 when Moses was organizing the entire nation, uh, and, and it was a leadership strategy, but the problem is it doesn't say how we did it. So that's, that's what those of us in leadership know, that it's the how where we feel at times overwhelmed, we feel depressed, we feel like giving up. But we just have to keep that call in front of us and say, what am I called to do? And that gets us through those those difficult times because, you know, as you know, you know, every week or two you have those moments where you say, what, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But, but, but as leaders, you, you, you've got to realize that people are looking for you for that confidence, and you just say, you know, we're, we're going to make this happen. And if we don't, we're going to go down in a, a blazing ball of glory. <laughs> we're going to do our best. Well, Alan, you, we have a picture of your family on our website, and your three boys cool. are just so, so cute. Now, obviously, they're at different levels of leadership in those, um, those points that you gave us. How does that affect them? Because when there's so much emphasis on leadership, I know in, in my household, my husband will at times tell me to tone it down a little bit because I'm so much <laughs> about leadership and you do this yeah. you do that, where he'll say, you know, not every single person is right. at that. And that's why right. I like the different levels that you just um, presented to us. So how does that affect um, your three boys? And you have two minutes till our commercial break to give us all this information. <laughs> well, I, I was uh, for the Kid Lead Growing Great Leaders book I, I wrote, I interviewed a bunch of leaders, and one of them was Max Licato. And Max said, you know, one of my favorite phrases is, a child is a book to be read, not to be written. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so insightful because our job as adults is not to make many knees. Our job is to find out how our child's wired and then to help them develop their potential. So mm-hmm. for our three boys, our oldest, he's the academic Brainiac. He's at Duke Divinity School, full ride, just got married. He's our middle-level leader. So he was on student government at college, but he's kind of the quiet guy. Our middle guy, he's our pistol. He's our, he's our Patty Wyatt uh, with male hormones, and he's just go get him strong, you know. And our youngest is very popular. He's our high school kid. He's a good-looking, charismatic kid, but he's not a leader. But we want to find out what they're good at, each one, and then facilitate. And if we don't have those faculties, we hopefully line them up with mentors who do. And we try to do that at every stage in their life, hook them up with people who they sort of are wired like to help them identify their gifts and abilities and launch them into the future. Well, Dr. Nelson, it's been fabulous talking with you, and we, we hope you'll come back again because there's so much. We just have scratched the tip of the iceberg with you today, so we just want to encourage everybody to run to the website to kidlead.com, and there's so much information. Like I said, I, I know it's targeted for, for kids, but there's so much there for um, adults to glean as well. And as always, we appreciate you speaking into our life and just speaking into so many others today. And I know we're all going to glean so much, and we're going to go home and do some homework here and for making it simple. So thank you, and stay with us. You're welcome.
This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life, and she'll share that in every show. Critical Thinking in the Real World with Janet Hens, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, we have Wendy Ford, our next guest, guest, who was the author of To Get Back Home, A Mysterious Disease, A Fight for Life. And, Wendy, this is more of a medical thriller um, and a true story of your life of how you were stricken with this horrific disease that left you um, just in survival mode as well as a, a quadriplegic. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and what led to you writing this book? And welcome, by the way. (laughs) I'm saying welcome to the show, Wendy. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks very much, and and thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, Several years ago, I was stricken out of the blue with a very rare and deadly neurological disorder. Uh, It was ultimately diagnosed as acute demyelinating encephalomyelitis, but we'll call it ADEM for short. Uh, it presented as the flu, but within days I was comatose and, and then quadriplegic. Uh, and at first they didn't think I would make it, uh, survive. And then when I came out of the coma finally, um, I, uh, they thought I might never walk again. Wow. And this was just a flu-like symptom. It presented as the flu. And yeah. within, within the week I was comatose. Wow. But, um, but I had two young children. 
at the time. And, you know, the mysteries surrounding this uh, story persist to this day. They, they still don't know what caused it, and they don't really know uh, specifically why I got better. Um, I have my own theories about that, which, of course, are in the book, but, uh, but, but the main thing, uh, as far as I can see, as far as getting back home, was that my children were so young. They were three and seven at the time, and I just had to get back home to them. <laughs> Just the title of the book. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. So now you are not a quadriplegic right now. No, I'm not. Um, uh, I I did come down um, with uh, some some neuro symptoms a couple of years after my miraculous recovery, and that's when uh, the doctors gave me a diagnosis of of MS. Um, but again, I've been very fortunate because my my situation is very stable, and you know you'd never you'd never know what to to look at me. I look completely normal. I just have to sit down a lot because the symptoms are in my my legs. But the main thing is, I'm still a mom. You know, I can uh, my I've been able to take care of my children. I've been able to lead a very um, normal uh, life, and I I consider myself a very fortunate person. So. You know what, and we we so admire just your story because so many times um, life hits us with a blow that's just devastating like with you. can't even imagine experiencing that, especially with two young children like that. And so many times people, they allow that to define who they are and they become the victim. And I know there's a period of grieving, I'm sure, and working through all that to go, okay, who am I now and what's going on and why did this happen? And there's so many questions that don't have answers, but yet in spite of that, you have come out on the other side as a survivor and thriving and, and writing this book. So what, how would you address people when they find themselves in something that's debilitating, whether it is an illness or some other life blow? How do you kind of guide them through that? Well, one thing that I've always been cautious about regarding my story is uh, to, to avoid raising false hopes in people because I worked very, very hard. And I know that for myself, that's what I had to do. I, I never felt uh, any negativity or, or bitterness. I, I just knew I had a lot of work to do. But on the other hand, um, someone else who's in a similar situation might work just as hard as I did and not have the same outcome. So I'm, very, I'm always very concerned about that. For me, it worked. It was, and, I, and I feel so fortunate that it worked with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd say just in general... In my, I can speak to my situation, therefore, I, I, I feel most comfortable doing that. And also, it's a medical case, so, you know, I, I, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, but I just, you know, as I said, I had no bitterness. Uh, people wondered about that. Um, I, I just knew I had so much work to do to get back home. <laughs> it keeps coming up, um, that theme. Uh, and... It worked for me, and I just, I'm, I just am so grateful that I had, you know, whatever it took to get back home to recover. Right. Well, and, and I think so many, you hear this so many times, having a positive attitude, it doesn't mean you like the situation, and, <laughs> but you embrace it and you try to see the positive and go forward. I know writing that book had to be challenging because it, it probably took you back to that journey into a lot of emotions. What was the most challenging part for you in writing that book, and also what was some of the rewarding aspects to that? Well, the most the most challenging part of writing the book was, in, as you said, going back to that 
you know, one of the worst times of my life. I mean, I still can't think of of being in the hospital for so long, for so many weeks, and which turned into months, away from my, my young children. It, you know, as a mother, you can understand how, how awful that must have been. And, and, then, and then at a, a certain point, I realized what had happened to me and, and how dreadful my, my prognosis was, but I couldn't, I couldn't dwell too much on that because I had so much work to do. Um, so it was very, it was a very difficult um, thing to revisit that part of my life, I, I guess. And uh, and just and at that point, I wasn't even sure if I would if I would be able to to mother them the way I had been, uh, you know, as a an, an active, fun mom. Um, I just knew that I had to to do whatever I possibly could to try to get back home. Um, and, and the most rewarding um, aspect of the book is that my medical teams at, at both hospitals, I was in, in uh, the uh, heart, two Harvard teaching hospitals in Boston, the acute care hospital where my life was saved was Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and my rehabilitation hospital was, was Spalding Rehab in Boston. Well, and, and that, that's the stuff that in your book that is so intriguing is what took place there. And we just have to really encourage those of you who love these kind of medical thrillers and are <laughs> dealing with um, this kind of suffering to go to the website, girlfriended.com, and you can find out a little bit more about this book and the author, Wendy Ford. And we just want to thank you so much, Wendy, for being on the show and can't wait to talk to you again. So thanks, Wendy, and have a great Thursday. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, coming up next, we have another author. We, we just, our day's been so full of authors, and I love that. A lot of wordy people, huh? We're, we're bookworms. We're bookworms. <laughs> well, we have author Patrick Marks, who is, is he, talking about the monkey business earlier in the show. We're going to be talking to him about some monkey business here. So welcome, Patrick, to Girlfriend at Radio. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, we only have about five minutes, so we're going to talk fast, and listeners have to listen fast. So um, what exactly is the book? Someone's making a monkey out of you about. Well, it's designed to give a summary of the reasons that the theory of evolution is simply not what happened in the past. And it's designed to do it in a way that your average eighth grader can understand. Which is good. We, we like to go to that eighth grade level. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, original, the original book when it first came out was designed for grade seven, grade eight, but we found out that adults uh, enjoyed it so much more that I'm now rewriting and revising the book. It's going to be significantly longer when it comes out in December. Wow, that's great. And I don't know if you caught the beginning of the show, um, Lisa was sharing how a girlfriend had just said her junior high student um, is having to deal with that, that they are teaching evolution as a fact in the school system. They are indeed. I was a, a public school teacher, pu- uh, taught uh, general science and also biology, and uh, they definitely teach it as if this is the real truth. And, uh, and, and it is confusing, it, and it has uh, eroded the faith of many, many kids. Uh, and again, the, the reason we, we're re- revising and uh, bringing out the book again in December is that um, it's designed to help everybody from grades 6 and 7 all the way up, uh, even for adults who are really struggling with, you know, is, this, you know is, is, is the Bible really true? Can I really trust it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the answer is yes, you can, from both a scientific level and a literary historical level and so on. 
Well, people are looking for a place. Where can I find truth? And as a place to, to go back to, this is the source of truth. And it's like we have in our school system society so taken the book of truth out of, out of you know, out of life, and then people are they're, they're just searching. They don't know where to find it. So it's like we do have to have that voice out there of this is the voice of truth, and this is how you know how it how life originated. Um, we'd like to ask you really quickly: what prompted you to write this book? Well, uh, my cousin, he was six years old in grade one, and he was busy showing me a picture he drew of the first bird, and he was telling me how it had evolved from a dinosaur. And it frustrated and bothered me that my six-year-old cousin was uh, being already told that he was basically a monkey. Uh, and it really frustrated me, and I spent a lot of time explaining to him why this was not true. And, of course, uh, that led me to, uh, to, read, to, to write the book for every young person. Wow. Well, can you give us just a really brief, we have like less than two minutes here, can you give us a brief description of what topics you write about in the book? Certainly. Uh, you know, I certainly talk about what is evolution and what is creation, but I also go through the main body of reasons why evolution is not true. I talk about fossils, irreducible complexity, chance, thermodynamics, uh, radioisotope dating, age of the earth, uh, Noah's flood, and then I also cover 20 different questions and answers about every topic you can think of in terms of uh, the evolution and creation, in it. and but I, all, I write it all at a level that again that your average eighth grader can understand. It's not I take the technical terms and I break them down. And when I was a public school teacher, that's exactly what I did every day was take complex scientific issues and put it into words that uh, your you know your average person can really grasp. And we also include memory devices, so this is good for teachers and. Uh, for parents and um, youth leaders and so on and so forth. So that's kind of the basics. Well, we are speaking with Patrick Marks, and he is the author of an incredible book talking about evolution. And you can go to GirlfriendIt.com um, to find out where you can uh, – well, actually, Patrick, I don't think we have – someone's making a monkey out of you. Where can you find this book, or when does it come out? Well, we're going to be releasing it in December. Right now I have a temporary website up. It's called monkeybook.squarespace.com, and that's just, uh, you know, you can leave your information there, and once the, the real website comes out, I'll send you the information. But we're, we're planning to release it in December. Perfect. So. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the show, and you guys have a great day. This is Lisa Jernigan and Patty Wyatt. We are girlfriendit.com. Visit our site for more information regarding today's topic. Thanks for listening, and have a remarkable day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show 